1: is everything elite the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe i may be joined as always by my good friend nate aka Epitasis. nate i just saw you a couple days ago what's up man How, how have you changed um
2: how have i changed um well i've i've been to work since we last saw each other um you know, that's pretty much it. I think <laughs> okay, we saw great. each other, we saw each other last weekend, and then did a podcast last weekend. Uh, <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> so pretty much, uh, I have just been working since then. Okay, yeah, we did a podcast uh, about going to see Lint Biscuit together. So
2: yeah, check uh, that actually, out. one of the one of the very few podcasts um, I do or that we do that I listen back to because I, oh. you know, we got some good uh, got some good notes on that one. I thought. Um, which, you know, we don't always get a ton of feedback in general, but it seemed like people enjoyed that one. So I took a listen to it. How, how did it sound? Well, you know, you kind of obsessively just listen to yourself. And I go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, hmm, my, uh, my laugh kind of sounded like a dumb guy laugh there. And you're like, what does a dumb guy laugh mean? Uh, and then I'm like, well, it's, it's the kind of the way a dumb guy laughs. Um, so I did a lot of that. Uh but I did. I think I think we made some some really clear-eyed and uh and uh, uh, uh deep <laughs> observations wow, about Limbiscit and Fred Durst.
1: So uh, you know, it was uh, it was nice to hear that. All right. Well, uh, make sure you check that out at patreon.com/slash everything elite. Nice uh place for a plug. Also joined, of course, by Mike Spears. Mike, uh have you ever? Do you ever listen to yourself back on podcasts?
3: I have engineered and have set up a system that I have limited the amount of time that to, to listen to any of us talk. after we're done recording, any of us. But I made time to listen to the Lincoln Park podcast, and I put you all over. And over <laughs> no. and each other. close. Limp oh, biscuit. I'm sorry, Limp Biscuit. It's been a very long day for me. Very long day. Up. But the Limp Biscuit podcast is probably one of my favorite things that have gone up on the Patreon. It was an absolute blast. And it's something that, you know, even though we are quickly approaching Everything Elite Patreon 2.0, I feel like that we're putting out some of our strongest work. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Nice. I like that. How about that. that? I, I turned that around after I botched the start, you know? Yes. Th- thank you for the
2: uh, for the kind words. And yeah, we really, really hit people with the plugs hard right off the top of the show. This week.
1: <laughs> the very first episode of Everything Evolves, I obsessively went through and deleted every um and uh and pause and oh made it God. sound fucking perfect. Funny? And then I quit doing that by episode two
3: buddy you, you could teach your computer to do that for you well i didn't and know that uh i can't you believe know, you don't know
2: uh, how to do machine learning on a computer yet Aaron.
3: come on <laughs> it's yeah. not even machine learning it's basically no, figure out everyone's uh decibel and like for like mouth and sounds and actually talking Ooh, and you okay. just like program program out like okay i should give this so many microseconds and you it pretty much just plug and play and then you know it's I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to, to frustrate
2: this by doing very loud ums. To that, to that. So this the will same be my last episode level as my of speaker. Everything Elite tonight. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, now it's all just all louder. No, I didn't get it right. Um, uh, sorry to hear that, Mike. But uh, I'm dedicated to my loud ums.
3: Eric, uh, oh I don't think he understands how decibels work.
1: Oh, uh, hey. Uh, if you want to see Nate come up with more ways to irritate Mike, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate's at a Mike is at Fuji. Heya. subscribe to the podcast. Just wherever you listen to podcasts, search everything elite and subscribe. You get the episodes quickly. And I am told it's helpful to our podcast. It helps people find the podcast maybe or something. If we're more uh, popular, if you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review, please. And I guess we've already plugged this, but the best way to support the show, of course, is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. A somewhat, um, I've seen some variable responses, uh, reactions to the episode of Dynamite tonight. So I'm interested to see or to hear, I guess see, we're on video, uh, everyone's reactions here on the show. So if you'll kick us off for Elite or delete what was your favorite thing from the show
2: well Aaron I assume that you have uh, written down your prediction for what my favorite thing will be on the show and you've put it in a sealed envelope so we can find out if you were correct or not
1: yes our friends at Ernst and Young will be handling the envelope
2: okay um, my elite pick for this week was the main event of John Moxley versus Lance Archer the Texas death match is that what it was He's see. He's doing okay. Aaron's doing fist bumping, but I'm not sure if it's happy or frustrated. There's no way to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy, of course. I figured you know. It's kind of like when you're playing rock paper scissors with someone, mm. and they hit you with that paper. You know, you did rock. They hit you with paper, but you're like, you know, your brain is thinking, should I now go, um, what be? Should I go paper now mm-hmm. to beat their rock? Am I saying this right? Uh, but you're like, no. They're just going to repeat it again. You just follow it. You lean right into it. So that's what I've done. I've gone back to Nate would pick the main event, and I was right.
2: Glad to hear it. Um, I am very good at Rocket Scissors, I have to say. Oh, wow. But I thought uh, really a, a, a match that capped off the show in a pleasant way, sent everybody home happy, uh, had a, I think, surprising result. Did I? Hmm. I might have been on the show last week saying there was no chance Lance Archer wins this match. Did that happen? That sounds... <laughs> That sounds like I might have done that. Who knows? I don't listen back to the show, um, as we know. But they went, I think, above and beyond. What I really enjoyed in particular about this match uh, was <laughs> I really don't like when there is a element in a match that is, like, actually dangerous so that all the guys kind of have to tiptoe around it and you can, you can see this happening. Um, for an example, <laughs> there was, I think, a pandemic-era match where... Somebody was threatening Hiromu with uh, an electric razor. Cause he's like, I'm going to shave your head like a young boy. Right. And because they had an actual electric razor in there, you, they kind of had to like do this little foe struggling like, Oh no, I'm, I'm going to come at you with the razor. And it's just, you know, a half step slower than everything else in wrestling. And you're like, okay, you're fucking exposing how slow this is. Uh, that did not occur in this match they had a fork in this match and every time they employed this fork uh of course because you know they could do so safely they were fucking teeing off on each other with this fork and it looked great uh you got the color you got the barbed wire you got the big spots and you got a huge crowd reaction and they had lance Archer go over win the title in his hometown home state um which is, you know, uh, just a nice little piece of booking. Lance Archer probably needed a win to really legitimize him in this promotion. He's been somebody that they've for the most part successfully heated up from time to time but always, you know, failed in the big match. Uh so I think this was a pretty good time to kind of swerve a little bit and go, "No, we're going to give Lance Archer a big win over a top guy, give him a title in this company and another company." Uh and you know, it doesn't really even hurt Moxley either cuz you know, you can say Lance Archer had the home field advantage, being in his hometown. Uh, you know, they they covered Moxie a little bit, saying, "Oh, I think he's trapped in the barbed wire," so you know that gives him a little protection, uh, and it really, you know, put a nice peak on the end of this show uh, when it didn't really have another match on this show to sort of be a be a strong point or be a calling card.
3: Yeah, this was a this was a show overall that there was a lot of stuff that amused me and I had a good time watching, but wasn't necessarily like the stuff that you come away from a show going like, "Oh yeah, I am gonna remember that this show had Chris Jericho just doing a Frankensteiner off the top rope and looking really good out of it." It needed something like this, and for Lance Archer, who like Nate said on about, like he's someone that they've been very successful and building up, but he kind of needed the legitimizing one, and, and John Moxley really is as legitimizing one as you can get outside of defeating kenny omega so it put over him huge in the metroplex uh, the crowd was went really insane for this when the crowd was kind of up and down all show i would say that this crowd probably was more in line with miami than the show last week in cedar park i would say but uh this match rocked it just they were willing to go for it i mean the fact that like Archer came out with kendo sticks and immediately like they were going at it there. And then Archer using a plant in the crowd was just fantastic as well. Just do you think his it. name was Mitch? Mitch plant. <laughs> oh, wait, is that the name of the plant in the Ambrose asylum? Did I just explain yes, your joke? You did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, th- this was just a blast of a match and exactly what Archer needed. And you know, it's going to, this kind of frees up Moxley in a way that's kind of fascinating as well. So I think this was a home run across the board for everyone.
1: Yeah, it was an example of like how some uh, death matches, or not really death match, but like violent matches in AEW succeed and some fail. And the answer as always is how legitimately violent does the match seem? And so you had the fork as they mentioned and they didn't fuck around with it that part uh at the end where archer was slamming it into mox's head you could see it like catching on his forehead (laughs) that was great the i was really nervous when they brought the barbed wire out because i remembered how that sucked from the what omega janella match i believe that's who had the yeah i remember
2: the mostly a lot of foot stuff in that match (laughs) right yeah (laughs) I i don't remember the barbed wire
1: sucking necessarily
3: it, it was like foot stuff into the barbed wire that they kept on like trying to do atomic drops onto it
1: yeah i don't know I, I don't remember being crazy about it but here you had
3: first of all like the
1: great bump through the tables but then you could see mox litter literally stuck in the barbed wire it was uh in his flesh and then just you know that choke slam on the on the two chairs which is like an easy spot but uh, it's like yeah. something that you know fucking hurts so I thought they veered toward the right kind of violence in this match and made it believable. Uh, but it also sets up, for me at least, pretty high expectations going into the Nick Gage Chris Jericho match uh, <laughs> for next week that they'll have to top this in some way.
2: Yeah, I, I
1: would. I'm sorry. The Nick Gage Chris Jericho match. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, wanted
3: to uh, say I, it again. I don't think. And the pain maker. You're right. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
2: The good, good correction. Um, I also, the I totally forgot about that chair spot somehow. Um, so that, you know, goes to show that they had that packed full of ideas and full of big violent stuff that they were going to do. Uh, I also just want to take a moment and like, appreciate how like robust and uh, consistent and productive this like new Japan relationship is now you know we there was you go back to the days where we were like speculating about the forbidden door on here and you know other people would be like oh it's never happening there's not gonna you know new japan's too pissed at them because they left and all this stuff uh and that's just you know all been utterly erased at this point uh they're setting up a new japan talent and hikuleo to be the challenger for lance archer next um with the bullet club shirt and of course he's the the brother of the uh gorillas of destiny who you know have been trying to do some angle or shoot angle or something with the elite uh for what seems like years now um but it's just pretty cool and pretty novel to be like yeah no the new japan belt's going to be defended on this show uh it's actually going to change hands on this show uh and then they're going to set up another new japan guy next week to be the first challenger for the new champion uh and then you know there's going to be AEW presence on the new japan show in la and it's just like hey this is to everyone's benefit it's certainly to new japan's benefit right now who you know has to deal with the uh clap crowds and worst covid conditions in japan so you know they've got a little uh got a little spark from AEW here to to make sure that they've still got uh interest in the west i think
1: yeah i mean i think it was now of course covid has intervened but i think it was my take at the time that a the AW New Japan partnership was uh vital for New Japan in the West because the New Japan tours in the West before COVID had failed miserably. So I think that's proving out, bearing out that they need uh AEW in the West if they're you know, if they continue to think that uh, uh encouraging, it's a big
2: expansion market for yeah,
1: expanding them. Yeah. among Western fans, I think they need to be hooked up with aw but also obviously it's very helpful for aw because the people who like aw mostly like new japan and those people coming over to aw create some excitement even if it's not more people tuning in I, I agree with mike that probably people who are gonna tune in to watch whoever from new japan most of those people already watch aw but it creates more buzz yeah. and more excitement in the building if nothing else
2: Yeah, and they called that out specifically as stuff they wanted to do. Like, even if you're not necessarily adding viewers by putting Hikuleo on the show, you just you make your viewers that are there more enthusiastic about it and more happy about it, and you know that's gonna that's gonna trickle down. I think eventually to be like, oh, AEW has good word of mouth with wrestling fans. They do stuff that's exciting and uh, you know novel and uh, all those things, which will you know create sort of a positive brand association.
1: All right, Mike, your pick for uh, the most elite thing on the show this week?
3: Well, I mean, we're talk about positive brand associations, Nate, there's probably no person in at least North America Independent Wrestling who has the positive brand, uh, I completely forgot, what you? Association, that's it. Positive <laughs> brand association. The PBA, yeah. The PBA, yeah. I mean, brought to you by Miller High Life. But uh, Nick Gage, Nick Gage coming out, and being the secret second layer labor of Jericho in a no rules match next week and it's just something that i mean there was talk that of him being in the original casino battle royal to or last year so the second casino battle royal obviously he had his achilles issue and like this and then with like dark side of the ring giving him more exposure than ever the the real fact that he's kind of the closest thing to like a independent wrestling folk hero at this point and having him come out on Dynamite after they were using like independent stars during the Cody AEW title reign or the TNT title reign and then like kind of showing that they could do this on the road and, and come back to this I think is really kind of exciting and now we're faced with the proposition of oh Nick Gage on national television that's wild that's something that 18 months ago would have been a fever dream. And it's just really exciting. And it's, and and even the way that MJF kind of presented it, I felt like was really exciting. And it instantly now makes this Charlotte show really like sneakily. They've built up the show into being a monster one next week.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was extremely cool, extremely cool to see, uh, you know, as a fan of Nick gauge and yeah, they did, I think set the table for it really well the, you know, MJF, of course, being a guy who's been through GCW and, uh, you know, uh, through beyond and stuff. So it, you know, kind of makes logical sense that he can make that call and bring in Nick Gage to <laughs> fight, uh, you know, first ballot wrestling observer, hall of famer, Chris Jericho in a hardcore match, uh, on national television. It's, this was, we discussed Nick Gage is like, oh, could they bring Nick Gage in like before the first show on this promotion even happened? I feel like I'm pretty sure I said no. I'm pretty sure I was just like no yeah. cuz you you can't do Nick Gage uh without doing, you know, the ultra violence or whatever and you can't do that on TNT. I think <laughs> uh I've just been proven wrong about what TNT is willing to do on their television uh cuz they have blood and, you know, barbed wire and tax up on seemingly every episode of the show. Uh so it it's very cool to see that come to fruition. And of course we did. Yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, they had originally planned for him to be in the casino battle royale and that didn't work out. Um, so it's just, it, you know, it's a, it's an impossible, I don't know about dream match. It's an impossible. I wouldn't say freak show match. It's just a crazy wrestling match that, you know, we'll remember as like a log line probably forever. Uh, I do. I know he got pulled from a show recently because, Uh, you know, he was beat up from his, his steady schedule of death matches and the toll, you know, that can take on a guy. Um, so I do hope that, you know, maybe that was in anticipation or preparation of this or something. And, you know, he can get right and be in a a good state to, to go and go and have a a great match and show what he's all about with Chris Jericho. I think that'd be just awesome to see him kind of get his roses in his career at this point.
1: Does this feel to you guys like, like a one-off, or do we think Nick Gage is coming to AEW? I think it's a one-off.
2: If, yeah, it feels like, like a Jeff Cobb kind of one-off, um, but you know, I think we've seen with Tony that if Tony sees a guy and likes a guy, like, hey, uh, let's put Wheeler Utah on the show. Oh, now he's going to be on every show. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if Nick Gage you know, goes out and kills it and gets a huge reaction and pops a rating, then I have no doubt Tony will be like, okay, uh, you're doing a death match every week now.
1: Yeah, my only hope, I mean, my hope is they just sign Nick Gage, and I don't really care what he does. I just want AEW to sign Nick Gage and uh, see him more often and be taken care of. Uh, but I hope they do Nick Gage versus John Moxley in this promotion. You know, Mox now doesn't have a title, so, you know, you can get away from that. Uh, obviously, they have a history. They like each other. Uh, so I think that would be an easy match to do.
2: I mean, they've been doing angles for it on GCW shows for a couple, couple months now. So
3: haven't they kind of veered now completely towards Cardona at this point?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did what two or three angles with Moxley and gauge at GCW shows. And then I guess Cardona kind of intervened, Um, you know, he was like posing as, as Moxley for one of the angles that Cardona did. So yeah, I don't know if that's just like, it's a, it's a longer road to get to Moxley or, if Moxie changes mind or something about doing the match, uh, you know, no, no way for me to know, but uh, you know, the the groundwork would still be there if they want to do it, neither promotion.
3: Right. Yeah, totally.
1: All right. I guess it is my turn. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to do a surprising one, I think. And my pick is the opener of this show, Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears. Nothing I would have expected to like, and certainly not as much as I liked it. This was definitely my favorite match until the main event happened on this show. I don't know. It was like Jericho, as much as the three of us or people who we're friends with might be tired of Chris Jericho in this role, the crowd is not. The crowd was on fire for everything Chris Jericho did. He clearly fed off that. He did that sick Frankensteiner that looked awesome. Uh, I don't know. It was a fun little story. The crowd, obviously, you get a lot more grace with kind of this dumb shit that we've all complained about during COVID. You get a lot more grace with some of these uh, silly angles when the crowd goes nuts for it. And you also had a great finish, you know, with the, with the Judas effect at the end. Uh, maybe it leading right into Nick Gage helped, but I just thought it was a really fun match. And, you know, yes, you got Chris Jericho, who's one of your top stars, but this was actually a good uh, starting off point for the show.
2: Okay, yeah, I'll talk about uh, what I liked from this match. Um, yeah, Jericho has a weird funny presence now i think mike probably first called him like a fat lucha brawler uh and he was like peaking in that sort of mode in this match where it's like ha- you know for half the shit he's doing he he kind of looks bad and is like moving slowly around the ring and doing like little little pushes at the guys <laughs> uh upper body or whatever it's his offense and then you know every once in a while he'll pull out something brilliant like the like the frankensteiner uh of course and yeah um you know, he's just reached a point in his career where the crowd fucking loves him. They're gonna go crazy for him. It rarely matters what he's doing. Um, you know, the, the the Texas crowd was pretty on point all night. They were, you know, popping for all the big spots in the matches. But yeah, even you know Jericho was getting pops for the worst looking shit that he did in this match. Uh, and then later, when he unveiled the pain. <laughs> The Painmaker. <laughs> when he re- when he did the big startling reveal of the makeup over his eyes, uh where he took a name from uh Okada's Rainmaker and did Bushy cosplay <laughs> and it became the Painmaker. Uh the crowd popped for it and I could not believe it. I'm like, wow, the crowd loves <laughs> the painmaker. <laughs> um and yeah, I-, I also think, you know, like a- like we talked about MJF, you know, built up Gage really well for his debut mjf was also good on commentary i think unlike me he does not have a stupid guy laugh um and he's you know just very articulate and i kind of think he put jr off uh off off key off step uh when he you know took a shot at jr pretty early in the broadcast and then jr was quiet for like five minutes um but i i enjoyed (laughs) that and and it all you know as, as part of the longer Labor's story. This was a kind of a fine step in that story.
3: Yeah, this was just fun, and with this kind of match, they kept it as it should have been. And we're really getting like Chris Jericho feeling himself at this point. Like the fact that the crowds are so into just the paymaker reveal—that's just going to encourage him, and it's going to be something where like I'm going to be excited to see like where all this is going to go with him and Nick Gage, like. Just like I, I feel like we still need to unpack it a little bit. Chris Jericho, the paymakers, having a no rules match of Nick Cage on national TV next Wednesday. Like Chris Jericho that we just saw this week do a Frankensteiner and probably like one of the shittiest versions of his springboard dropkick. Like the first one, did you know it's like how he was <laughs> barely, yeah, it was bastard. He was just ha- he was not having it. But no, this was this was a lot of fun. We got unprotected chair shots. I'm on national TV, I mean, wrestling is back. And, you know, the, like, easily the most palatable Sean Spears has been in a long time has been his, like, step as, like, the just the goon that he has to get out of the way, the flunky that Chris Jericho has to swat out of his way. And, you know, this didn't overstay its welcome. The crowd is hot. And, you know, between, like, this and I, I had a theory about MJF and Nick Gage that wanted to run by y'all before, like, we're fully done, at least right now talking about it. So NJF has shown a propensity of being able to go and get people to do his bidding in AEW. He had the butcher and the blade. He's had Wardlow, and and I like the idea that now he's to like to a point where he's like going through his his address books. Like, all right, I already called him. I already called him. It's like, oh, Nick Gage is the perfect person for the situation. Like, how far away are we from getting like Jimmy Lloyd at this point? Like, because like, I, okay, we can't discount that out of hand now
2: no um trying to think if they've like interacted on a gcw show or something i've seen uh i would like to see that that would you know i guess i mean jimmy lloyd does have a storied career in aew uh of course being opposite the hard cam when bret hart came out at the first double or nothing and you could see jimmy lloyd pop for him um <laughs> so yeah it would be nice you know uh, if they if they brought him back for some mjf angle uh, it would be fun to see them like incorporate that in some silly Sammy G vlog sketch or something.
1: I, okay, I want everyone on record on this: Nick Gage versus the Painmaker. Yes or no? Are there light tubes in this match?
3: I think no, but there will be glass.
2: Oh, I kind—I kind of like that answer. Yeah, maybe they do a gimmicked—a gimmick, a gimmicked, a gimmicked uh, you know, uh, broken glass kind of thing, and somebody takes a bump on it.
3: Yeah, yeah. And also worth stating, to my knowledge, North Carolina and South Carolina do not have a commission, so we're not going to get any of that full gear Maryland bullshit coming out of this.
2: I kind of think AEW would maybe let them do light tubes. I kind of think Chris Jericho is like, I'm not doing a light tube. That's where I'm at.
1: I am... I'm just ready to let myself get disappointed. That's all there is to it. They're going to do fucking light tubes. Chris Jericho is taking a light tube over the head next week on Dynamite.
2: Not out of play. I mean, he did bring out the, uh, I guess everybody's doing pizza cutters now. Callahan, used the pizza cutter on Omega on the impact pay-per-view and Gage had the pizza cutter here. So I don't know. He kind of set the table for a pizza cutter to be used. And is a pizza cutter better or worse than a light tube? I,
1: I, I don't know. I just want to see fucking light tubes on TNT. That's really all. We're just in this promotion generally. No light tubes. It's going to happen. If not, if not necessarily on TNT, then
2: at some point on the pay-per-view.
1: I hope so. Uh, listener Elite this week, if you join our Patreon and jump in the Discord, we have a channel where you can uh, chime in with your own Elites or D-Leads. We'll pick one uh, of each each week. Swarles this week, Elite, after a run of strange shows after Double or Nothing, AEW is officially back. I have to agree. Yeah.
2: Again, you know, being back on tour, having the live crowds really makes so much go down smoothly. That might've been colder or weirder in front of a, uh, you know, small fan amounts at Daly's place.
1: Yes. I think that's a big part of it. It's just like, Oh, this is much nicer uh, with fans. But you know what else is nice? Not having hairy dick and balls. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. It's time to tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped. Uh, They've got the fourth generation performance package, including the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes? Like Olympic gold. You join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code this is. I think that's uh, fascinating because, in that scenario, if you're comparing your pubes to athletes treating their bodies like royalty, you have to think you're like an Olympian when it comes to using your, your junk, right? I mean, that that's what Manscaped is trying to get across, I think.
2: It makes perfect logical sense, Aaron.
1: Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, they've got a whole thing to help you get in Olympic shape, get your pubes in Olympic shape. You get the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. So it's not just your pubes, they got everything. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, two free gifts, the Boxer Briefs, the Shed Travel Bag. Uh, talk about a world class dismount into a post quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire, including. Uh, sexual activity with the person of your choice. You got fourth generation trimmer. It's got a cutting edge ceramic blade. You've got the 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on off switch, a 4,000 K LED spotlight. And the trimmer is waterproof. Michael Phelps is drooling. Just thinking about the possibilities. You know, those swimmers, they really, they, I bet all the swimmers use Manscaped. I mean, you gotta be really tidy Uh, if you're swimming in the Olympics. I'll be looking forward to seeing that. Uh, After trimming your pubes, show them some sportsmanship with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. I think I've put over the Crop Preserver weekly on this show. Uh, You just get 20% off free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THISIS at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with manscaped all right time to talk about the things we did not like from this show and i'm fired up nate you can't even fuck me here because i got two that i'm really excited about i'm happy to go on about either you can only pick one
2: no i'm I'm not worried about um um picking something that you're gonna pick to delete um i'm gonna delete the opener on this show uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought this match sucked um it was a big doubter to start the show to have uh, Chris Jericho maybe looking like he's in the worst shape uh, of his run uh, versus Sean Spears, who, uh, you know, is the lowest guy on the um, overness chart for the inner circle. No, the pinnacle, the pineapple. Um, There were elements, you know, I, I think the chair thing can work for Sean Spears. It's, you know, we've, we've said this, talked about this, on a lot of different topics on a lot of the stunts and big bumps that they do in this promotion. Uh, and it kind of applies to Sean Spears chair gimmick. If you're going to let him tee off on people's heads with the chair, uh, then it's a good gimmick and it's going to have dividends for them. Um, but they're not going to commit to that a lot of the time and probably for good reason. Uh, but the I hate this thing with chairs uh in any promotion where oh i'm gonna sit here and show a, the broad side of my back to you so you can lay in a chair shot just across my back um and even you know like the from the first spot in this match where sean Spears is like haha i got a chair and then jericho gets the best of him immediately by like pushing his forehead with the side of his arm and sean's like oh no i dropped the chair uh just immediately took me out of all of it and then they were out of sync and like fucking up on whips uh, to the ropes immediately after that. And for the first few minutes of this match. Um, Yeah. So uh, apart from those bright spots that I talked about earlier, uh, I thought this sucked and the guys looked awful.
3: I think that's kind of somewhat drew me into this match was just like Jericho really like tapping into like that, that point of his career. Where it's just like, all right, you're still trying to hit, do the hits, but sometimes your body can't do the hits. And we had a, we I feel like we had a lot of that. I mean, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of people on the show that we could talk about how much gas is in their tank. And I I feel like I I can see where you're coming from with this. I I thoroughly enjoyed this opener. I thought it was an absolute blast. But if you're not invested in Jericho, or if the, you weren't finding certain things funny, I can get how much of a drag this could be.
1: This is good, uh, Nate, because this usually is the thing. It feels like that you would have said was elite and I would have deleted. So I really like the switch that we've made here. That's fun.
2: I was surprised when you said it was elite. <laughs> uh, I I cannot imagine how this was better than the Christian versus Matt Hardy match that you hated. Uh, that This was way worse than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Mike, Mike, you're right. Like the, the Fat Lucha Brawler Jericho stuff, I do get a certain joy out of. Um, and you know, it's the kind of stuff that like a guy would do, uh, in Japan or Mexico. And I'd be like, this is the greatest fucking shit I've ever seen. Like, this is, this guy's the best wrestler of all time. Uh, I actually, you know, he's, he refuses to take a bump and he does his, his little, uh, you know, shitty offense, but then he busts out his two signature spots and the crowd absolutely loses their shit. That's what pro wrestling is all about. I agree with all of that. And I just said it. Um, (laughs) so I agree with myself, (laughs) but you know, if we're like trying to be in a mode where it's like, Oh, you know, this is a W we have, you know, all this young up and coming talent. And we pretend that it's like athletic competition where, uh, you know, guys compete to, to better the other person in a, in a competition where they fight. Uh, and then you see Chris Jericho, you know, doing his little running forearm and you're like, no, it just exposes the whole thing is ridiculous. So, you know, it, it, you kind of have it both ways.
1: Well, Mike, uh, it's up to you to uh, for. I'm gonna have some time to figure out what I'm gonna do after I hear which way you go. So I'm okay. Fascinated to hear what you want to delete from this show, Mike.
3: I think the thing, and I've, I have a feeling that somehow it, it's gonna be hard for me to pick one of the things that you. It would be really funny if you're like, oh yeah, there's some some way that no matter what, we're not both of us <laughs> didn't think your thing, and then somehow. We completely steer clear, and then you have a, a bounty of riches here. Uh, this FTR and Sienna Ortiz segment was just dreadful. And it was something that was, it, and it's not that it was like dreadful in a way that just was like meandering and going on forever. It was dreadful in a way that one, what did they accomplish there that they've been trying to accomplish each and every single time, other than Totally Blanchard calling out for his boys? Like, there's no difference there. And then two, just bizarrely edited in a way that it was so discordant to watch that like talking about upbringings and then like Santana is doing this really impassioned promo and like bringing up like his life and bring up like oh yeah my mom had to fight up against fight against slum lords to get a fair rent and all that and then just like an abrupt cut back to f t r ball talking about the three things I love are this tag team, my family and pro wrestling just like completely just looked like it was edited or felt like it was edited by like a freshman intro to video production class which is just a very bizarre thing there and it was the thing that like it came away with the show going being really perplexed about how they've just like constantly have done like kind of bizarre one step forwards one step back and how much they constantly harp on they have elected to go like oh all four of us have had ftr believes that all four of them has had have had tough upbringings, whereas he and our teams just go like, your experience was not my experience, and my experience was not your experience. And they keep on harping on that as like the big plot point for this match, outside of the fact that it was like, oh, these are like two of the biggest tag teams in the company. And if it would if it worked, talking about like the shared experiences and like disagreement there, then totally fine. But instead, we have this storyline that has not made a lot of sense when you could have had a much more obvious and simpler one.
2: Yeah, I do. I like the, I don't know, ambition to try and do a feud about like a bigger idea because, you know, I've complained about AEW stories all hitting a lot of the same beats. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm splitting up with my friends or I'm joining a stable or I turned on you because you're Cody and I'm joining this other stable. Uh, Now I'm breaking up with the stable and and doing my own thing. Um, So I like that they are trying to tell a different kind of story between these two different teams and have the feud, you know, kind of be about a larger theme, even if it's, you know, uh, you know, fundamentally it's still like a, a silly wrestling story. But, you know, it's kind of you know, Dusty Rhodes got a lot of a lot of juice out of, you know, putting big thematic ideas on his stories and promos that way. Um but the only guy who's been able to make it work is Conan when they had Conan come in and lay down the law and be like, Hey, I'm explaining what this is about. I'm explaining why my guys are better than your guys. Uh, and I'm explaining why that's the basis for the feud. And I'm have some hotlines in my promo. That's going to make the crowd pop. Uh, and that was live and that was uh, exciting. And you know, that was the best thing in this feud so far was Conan's promo. Um, this is the second time where they've had this pre-tape promo where it seems like there might be good nuggets of content in there, like when Santa Oh yeah, it Tans- yeah. was great. Yeah, when Santana stands up and he's like, you can you can feel the sincerity and the passion, and he's pulling out these photos and talking about you know his real experience. Like that shit should all be good, but like you said, the editing totally lets it down. It doesn't let us uh, appreciate and feel the realness in those, in those lines. Uh, and instead we get these weird cuts and, Oh, now we're looking at FTR and it seems like it could have been filmed two hours later. Uh, and they're not really responding to what Santana was talking about. And it's very weird. It it must be that they shot it on the day and they had to edit it in in 35 minutes or something. And that's all I can guess. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's too bad because I, I wish, I wish the presentation was better for, you know what they're what so that the what they're going for in this story can actually succeed
3: yeah like it, it's entirely let down by that and it's just like an insane thing because like the 30 second uh santana part was one of the better promos on the show and then the smash cut to ftr ball it makes me wonder like was it something that they realized they didn't shoot enough reaction stuff and they came back it's like get back we need to get this stuff we don't have this and that's how bizarre it felt because that's what that's what it came off of To me, and that's what I was like, this felt like a freshman project where it's like, oh, we needed this shot. Let's go care, do this. Let's not care about, you know, if everything looks right and how out of places we'll be when we edit it.
1: Yeah, totally agree. A real problem in this to me is that, I mean, FTR is a part of like the big bad heel group in this company. And FTR really hasn't been like heelish enough in this program. Like it's more about oh, uh, you know, we come from similar backgrounds. Like it was, our background was just as tough as yours. So we should be able to find, you should respect us because we all have the same thing. They should, I mean, I know it's dangerous, but they should just talk shit about Santana and Ortiz's Ortiz's uh, upbringing and their background. You didn't go through shit. Look at what we went through. And everybody, of course, the fans would feel, would recognize that it was bullshit. And that would make you even more invested when Santana's talking about the real shit that he went through. But as it is, it's just kind of like, Uh, okay you know you've told us this
2: yeah i think there's probably something you can do there like you know they're they're at risk of getting a bunch of angry tweets and cancellations and stuff if AEW starts like treading on uh, a race-based angle or something but that is that would be the conflict in this story that they're setting up right is like oh we both have very difficult you know, backgrounds and, uh, circumstances and it's informed everything about our lives. Uh, and, and we're comparing them like the, the way that comparison would come to a head in a violent conflict would be like, Hey, we're the white guys. And we think it's bullshit that, uh, you know, Brown people's upbringing, uh, gets all the attention and they get the special treatment because they had economic hardships when, Hey, we had the same economic hardships, but nobody's concerned about us. Cause we're white. Right. Like that's, that's the, complaint that comes a a violent feud out of this thing and they just don't want to do it and i can't say they're wrong for wanting to avoid that because it would uh you know you're you're kind of on thin ice there with a lot of people um but attempting to do the feud without doing that has has made it just kind of not work
1: yeah that's basically my point and I mean, surely there's smart enough people in AW that could figure out how to say that a little more gracefully. <laughs> uh, but you're exactly right. Like, that is the conflict that they've set up, but they just have not explored it in any real way. So, okay. Well, it's my turn. And uh, you guys didn't pick either of the ones I was really focused on. So uh, I'll just pick my favorite. And I'm going to delete the, the Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose match uh, for a number of reasons. One, If Britt is going to be the ace of the women's division, and she is, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You have to tell ace stories with her, which they failed at in this. And here's how you know that they failed at it. When they do the introductions in the ring, you know, before the big title match, Britt Baker gets this insane pop. She gets the D, M, D. Everybody fucking loves her. They don't care if she's an asshole sometimes in her character. Nyla Rose... And, and remember, the crowd, the AEW crowd, always wants to do what the promotion wants, react in the way the promotion wants. You get the most timid little booze for Nyla. Uh, and I think, frankly, it's because the crowd doesn't really know what Nyla is supposed to be, like how to react to her. Then you run this whole match where Nyla is the babyface in the match. They do this spot with the belt, you know, where Nyla gets over on Brit in the end with this belt spot in the way that a babyface should. But the story of the match, I mean, in reality, the story that they should be telling is that Nyla is someone, and they told this on Road 2, but never on television, that Nyla is the one who Britt has never been able to beat in AEW. She's never gotten a victory over her. So it's really just, can the babyface champion overcome this heel who's always gotten over on her in the past? easy story and that's an A story that's what i mean when i say you got to tell A stories that's what it is she's just overcoming something you know a big roadblock in her past but they didn't do that then i think that really hurts the match because look the match is probably not going to be great brit uh, look is not still not a great wrestler and she's probably never going to be but when she's in there with someone better than her she does a great job nyla i think is the same thing when she's in there with someone who's better than her she can always carry her part of the bargain but when you put these two together it's very tough and the crowd should be able to kind of pull you through that they should be able to make brits matches succeed through pure will but they couldn't do it here because there wasn't enough investment in this story in these two characters not to mention that they got off you know very lost in the middle of this match and the crowd was kind of like you know just didn't know what to do about it but all that together made for just a real failure uh of a segment
2: yeah it was not very good um uh yeah all, all the points you raise are are correct they didn't you know the feud is pretty much sucked from the beginning uh because they made it about burgers and they made it about vicky guerrero uh for no reason uh and they had a tag match for some reason um yeah, so I, I'm mostly just kind of like, okay, I'm glad this is over, and now we can move on to the next thing. Maybe Britt could have a better match with Yuka Sakazaki. Um, That's mostly where I'm at with it. I I, I will say, despite uh, you know, despite not always having great outings in the ring, uh, Britt Baker is extremely over, uh, and that kind of did carry most of the match, especially the finish of the match. The crowd was super hot for. Uh, And it's kind of it's it's hard not to look at the promotions treatment of Britt Baker as a success when you get that reaction for a match that, you know, like you said, had a lot of problems in it. Um, I will, you know, there was like a a ref fuck up in here, right? Uh, Yeah. Um, And that was a thing where it's like (laughs) you got you wonder, I don't know, I hate when crowds do ref bits. It's one of. My least favorite things in like being part of a wrestling crowd is you know guys they'll they like the meme ref it's like oh this one ref sucks and we're just gonna talk about the ref this whole match or uh, oh the ref fucked up and now we're gonna chant at the ref for five fucking minutes uh, I hate that and it happened in this match and that made me mad and I was like who fucking cares um, so yeah it was it was not very good
3: it just didn't work. Like, I I feel like the crowd willed this match into not just being a laborious just drain, but the match just didn't work. It just seems like these two, for who they are as wrestlers, don't mesh with that. And it's a good thing that the crowd was really... uh, I mean, the crowd did die off like for a long portion of this match, but it's a good thing that the crowd got up for the finish because it did kind of salvage the situation. It's just, you know what they choose to put on TV and what they choose not to and how they build up this match is something that it was just like, like, Aaron, when you sat down and with, like, Road 2 and you knew that there was going to be a world women's title build there, didn't, like, you, did you have the thought cross your mind like I did where I was like, oh, they're going to do a much better job in this three-minute segment than anything that they've done over the last four weeks building this up, and it played out right in front of us?
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think that's an ongoing... Uh, problem I think in AEW is if you want if you pick out any feud and you want to find search for a good story for that feud it's somewhere in AEW content but a lot of times you have to look for it to find it instead of them just delivering it to you as they should I mean there is so much content and not just wrestling. There's just so much stuff to watch. You got to just tell people what you want them to know about the match and then reward those of us who watch everything with extra stuff on top of that. Not make us all go searching for the best story that can be told about every single feud. Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, Listener Delete. I don't know. I just thought this was funny. Good Drake in the Discord says, the guy who plays a cashier in the Miller Lite commercial who kind of looked like Lin-Manuel Miranda while I was fast forwarding. That's a good enough to lead as, uh, as anything, as I can imagine. Strong.
2: I don't get the commercials.
1: That's true. You're on the, you're on the fight feed, so you don't I get feel,
2: it. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm left out of this one.
0: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now Off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena Club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm
1: gonna bring you back in because I think this is a good time actually to we'll take a little break of talking about the show. Uh two big rumors going this week uh we can hit them now the i don't know i guess the one that seems most immediate is the rumor that uh brian danielson aka daniel Bryan, has signed a contract with AEW, according to our friends at bodyslam.net and may appear as soon as the uh the show at arthur ash stadium in queens
2: yeah uh, this is i think almost Almost progressed past the point of rumor. Like it was a pretty credible rumor when Dave Meltzer said that, oh, they have a big surprise in their back pocket for the Queen's show, the Arthur Ashe Stadium show. He said that. uh, And then, you know, shortly thereafter said that uh, Daniel Bryan has not, is not with WWE, has not re signed with WWE. Then there was a report, I think, by Fightful that Daniel Bryan was not in the WWE's merchandising plans, uh, which, you know, lends credence to what Meltzer said. Uh, and I think, I think Sean Ross Sapp even said that the people in WWE believe that Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, uh, is going to AEW. Uh, so then Bodyslam.net basically said, yes, we have a source that says Brian Danielson has put ink to paper, uh, you know, fits with all of those facts um I mean mean, that that's great for AEW uh if true you know will be uh just a phenomenal moment at Arthur Ashe Stadium if true um and you know they're gonna have him hopefully have some cool matches uh you know maybe maybe a couple will even rise to the level of dream matches uh you know which were a, a, a there was a dearth of in his previous runs um so yeah, that's all. Very you know, it it, it totally makes sense because we've heard you know from the beginning that Brian Danielson's wishes were that he wants to be able to have the freedom to go and wrestle, you know, in CMLL in New Japan, uh, you know, do whatever weird things or uh, you know, independent things that he uh has the interest in doing, uh, and that doesn't happen in WWE that happens in AEW and AEW they have like we talked about a working relationship with new Japan pro wrestling at this point where Brian Danielson is going to be able to you know wrestle Yuji Nagata on a new Japan strong show or you know uh go to Japan and and do a Tokyo Dome show uh hopefully when things open up um so I I, my interest in this I'm I'm kind of I've worked myself into just believing it's true and that it's going to happen I mostly am interested to know if Tony Khan already had Brian Danielson wrapped up when he cut that promo on Nick Khan uh, about Nick Khan, trying to get a working relationship with new Japan. I want to know if Tony at that point already had Danielson in his back pocket and was saying uh, good fucking luck.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be kind of riveting. Um, I'm still of kind of my previous mind that it is something that at least to me personally, I, I want to see like how the debut happens to really kind of get, a lot of enthusiasm, but he is someone that with the other person, I know that like quickly have made like a term of this. You pay the tax for them. You pay the tax for Brian Danielson. If Brock Lesnar was going to show up there, you pay the Brock tax. And it's something with where I think the promotion is. Getting these kind of people is just like a no brainer kind of solution there. What kind of matches am I interested in? I mean, I think Brian Danielson is one of the top ten wrestlers of all time. I'm just something that, you know he was the boy who cried wanting to have a hair match with Blue Panther a lot with me. So that's what that's another reason why I'm kind of waiting to see with this. But I think it's kind of interesting the fact that after that Bodyslam.net post, everyone else is like, oh yeah, we're going to post this thing, but we're not going to add anything to this whatsoever. Which is two things that are happening. One, they don't know anything and they just want to piggyback on SEO. Like, I mean, like obviously like, Daniel Bryan Brian Danielson huge name like that's an easy way to kind of piggyback off it or there's the, like the stuff that like Nate was talking about like Meltzer Sean sap that just like they can't provide like oh yeah from a we also have heard from this like they can't give any sort of confirmation at this point so I think that that's kind of like the most interesting to me as thing to me as this played off is BodySlam.net shot their shot it'll be funny to see how this kind of pans out for them out of that
1: yeah, and the well, the other person, of course, there's uh, talk that this is a little more nebulous. It's like CM Punk wants to return in ring. The suggestion is that it, that's most likely to be with AEW, and so that led to a lot of discourse. My kind of thought, well, no, that's not fair. It's not to, I don't have similar thoughts about them. It's more likely to me that Brian Danielson can be a great in ring wrestler. Even now, he certainly is a guy who's shown to have enough ideas to put together good matches, even if he's not able to wrestle at like his peak level, which obviously he can't because he's gotten older and has had injuries and whatnot. CM Punk, I have no real interest in watching CM Punk wrestle, but both of them, as you were talking about, Mike, and the tax that you have to pay, someone else made this point, I think in a DM, so I'm, and it might've been Nate, so I'm not trying. <laughs> it was,
2: trying. Uh, it was uh, Double J Jarrett.
1: Okay, I'm willing to believe that. So I'm. I'm not trying to steal this point. But they made the point that these are the last, well, Punk is the last big bullet that WWE has to pop a rating, to add buzz or excitement. They've brought everyone else back. It's just Punk. So They
2: they brought Goldberg back four or five times.
1: Right. So if AEW has any way of getting CM Punk on their television instead of letting him go back to WWE. They have to do it. It's a must-do. So I think it's cool. I think it would could be cool. Uh, Nate, you, I believe, talked about the more interesting thing is a Punk and Bryan tag team, which I like that idea. That kind of hides some of Punk's deficiencies, but you still get Punk on the mic, which is obviously what everybody wants. So I, it definitely, like... I don't want to get excited about it, but just thinking about it, it's like, Oh, that's a real injection of star power into a W, which is always cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a souring on Danielson, uh, you know, like Mike, I think kind of alluded to where Danielson would keep saying, Oh, I want to, I want to go and be in a G one. I want to go and do a, uh, a, a match and all this. And then he would just resign with the WWE every time. And it's just like, Oh, you don't mean what you say. You want the money. Um, But, you know, that's his right to do. But it does kind of sour you on the guy saying these things. Um, The souring on CM Punk has been even more severe, I think, mostly because he went back to the WWE after all the shit that he went through there uh, and, you know, uh, all the vindictive things they did uh, and all of the same way all of his all of his very uh, grandiose proclamations and stuff, even going back to like the pipe bomb promo where he's like, you know, the fans, you guys are going to keep pouring money into this uh, company, even though it's terrible and sucks shit. So fuck you guys. Uh, But also, yeah, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be on this terrible Fox show uh, and just totally tank uh, the rest of my, uh, you know, capital with, with the non WWE fans. Um so the souring on him has been, I think even more severe, but yeah, those two guys are like the last meaningful. Those are two guys who cross over to casual Normie fans. uh, And they go, Oh, I love CM Punk. You know, CM Punk, he was going to change everything and the WWE fucked him. Uh, And that, that genre of fans still has a fondness for him. Uh, And, it's going to be meaningful for AEW if they get either one of those guys. And if they get both of them, then that's, I think monumental. Um, and yeah, I think, I honestly, I think like Brian, <clears throat> Brian and punk versus the bucks is like, you cover up, you know, kind of some of those guys weaknesses as not being, you know, regular performers for years and years recently. Uh, and the bucks are, are going to be able to, you know, work a fast paced, exciting match around them, <laughs> even if they're not, Totally ready to go yet? So I think that's the first thing. You know, do I want to see a bunch of, you know, every match in this promotion is sixteen minutes? Do I want to see a bunch of sixteen minute CM Punk matches at this point? Is career? No, I I really don't. Um, but you know, for the big pop when they come out, for the casual fan that it's going to spark some interest with, uh, I, I think you know you pay the tax, like Mike said.
3: And, and just to further cement the fact that there are so little cards left that there's pretty heavy talk that it's going to be Roman Reigns versus the rock at the next WrestleMania. Like that's something that has been gone a little bit beyond rumors, like multiple times. So the it, it, punk's first time back, like even with him diminishing the cachet, it's something that's very remarkable. And I think that's something that I think the track record over the last two odd years really has kind of cemented this as this kind of alternative. And then also something I don't think that y'all brought up was punk is on the heel show with Cody Rhodes and Steven Amel, So,
1: Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Uh,
3: yeah, it's just interesting. But like, I think that that's like, now we talk about like those kind of variables that could have gone from where at least CM Punk was 12, 18 months ago to now.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just, you know, Punk didn't sign with this company, even though it was the uh, clear heir to the anti-WWE fan sentiment that drove all the interest in New Japan and drove the interest in Ring of Honor and drove the interest that could sustain a, uh, you know, a, 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 a second national wrestling promotion that had, does significant business on national cable television. Uh, and yeah, that he didn't sign with them from the beginning is kind of like... Oh, you you were you were just wrong or you didn't mean it when you said those things. Uh so it's really kind of if they are signing him and they're gonna give him a run, it's just Tony Khan is bailing this guy's legacy out. He would be remembered for the terrible line on the Fox Talk show. Uh and now he has a second chance to be remembered for all the good things that he did in wrestling, basically. Uh so if if I'm him, I'm saying yes, please, God, I'll you know, give me Give me six matches. Let me tag with Brian uh, and just let me do anything to pop a crowd and not be remembered for the Fox show. Uh, and, you know, if he can get paid uh, and, you know, boost his cash flow at the same time, uh, it,
1: I, I don't know why he wouldn't do it. And not be remembered for royally fucking over Colt Cabana, one of wrestling fans' favorite uh, people, you know, in all hey, of wrestling.
3: Uh, the the person that I think that history looks a lot more kindly back towards Colt Cabana with one hour teas and really revolutionizing the uh, revenue process uh, in independent wrestling versus a pipe bomb promo that was booked into oblivion. Like let's let us not forget.
1: Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, Colt Cabana. You can. It's at least an argument who had more impact on wrestling, period, uh, between Punk and Cabana. But anyway, that's another thing that'll be interesting. My only my last follow up is with all these reports coming out today, can they really hold off if they have Brian Danielson signed? Can they really hold off for two months before they put (laughs) him on TV?
2: Well, yes. If they also have CM Punk signed and they, they put him on in the interim.
1: Yeah. He's got to come out in Chicago, right?
2: (laughs) Right. You do, you do Punk in Chicago and you do Brian in Queens. Uh, and I mean, holy shit, that's massive. That's gargantuan. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess you do wait because you just keep continue to drive interest in every single episode of Dynamite, uh, and they go, "Is this going to be where Brian shows up? Is this going to be where Brian shows up? Is this where where Punk going to show up?" Uh, and you know why not? Why not drag that out and keep that interest and keep uh, you know building that until you can peak it and and pay off like in pro wrestling.
1: Also, just realized the first Rampage is in Pittsburgh, which you know famously was the uh, the WrestleMania. The Daniel Bryan WrestleMania, so you know where he didn't come out in thirtieth. So uh that's also kind of funny to debut uh Danielson in. in oh yeah, the R- Royal Rumble. Royal-, Royal Rumble, right, right, right. Royal Rumble. Okay. Was
2: that the Was that the Rock and Roman Reigns one?
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the Rey Mysterio as thirtieth. It all
2: it all comes together.
3: <laughs> the bizarre photo.
1: <laughs> it does. All right. Let's get into the
3: rest. How of-
2: uh, How over do you think Dominic Mysterio would be in this promotion?
3: Oh God. Uh, I, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. Well, we
1: need another canonical Guerrero to manage Andrade. Kind of
3: <laughs> line, so Good you point. know which one they need to hire, and he yes, is doing bookings I... <laughs> and esports broadcasting.
2: I know it's time. He's okay. doing the New Japan show, isn't he?
1: He is. We're, we're of course talking about the drama king Matt Raywald, uh, who is the true heir to the Guerrero family legacy. Him okay and Sasha Banks. Yes. Uh, all right. As we talked about, Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears kicked it off Jericho One with the Judas effect. And then MJF came out and said uh, Jericho's gonna have to wrestle Nick Gage in a no DQ match next week. There was a Miro video. He said God's favorite champion will fight at the homecoming show in Jacksonville. This is the word of the Redeemer. So I guess no Miro until they get back to Jacksonville.
3: Yeah, that's kinda of wild to think about. Like I I mean he's been doing great like pre-tape stuff and I kind of was expecting that. I mean, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville is like really two weeks. So that's not necessarily that. Well, it's kind of something that I feel like that we were probably kind of surprised not to see him a lot on this opening few weeks of the tour though.
1: Absolutely. Then we had uh, Nate's favorite match. Doc Gallows versus Frankie Kazarian. Gallows won with the tree slam. Uh, afterwards, the good brothers were doing a beat down. Uh, Omega came out with Callus. Callus says, this is what happens when you mess with the elite. Omega says, the elite hunter has now become, and then there's a little, uh, you know, Don Callus helping him out. The elite hunted. And Callus says, they're going to give a preview of what they're going to do to Hangman Page. Page comes out. Callus asks if he's stupid or just drunk. Page, I wish you would have grabbed the mic for this. Off mic says, I'm both. And then attacks, big brawl. Dark Order comes out to help, you know setting up all these uh this elimination tag and what's coming after that
2: i think dark order got a bigger pop than hangman that's what it felt like to me um Hmm. yeah they beat the elite hunter which was funny to me uh uh you know but when you have the big lg doc gallows you know he's a he's a monster you can't you can't deny him his singles wins uh ever and especially not in this promotion um I wish I wish I could I wish I had the wherewithal to do a big bit about how great this match was or something. <laughs> um but I can't. Uh but I but it doesn't matter because I still love the big LG Doc Gallows. Uh and the quality of his matches matters very little to me.
1: Yeah, at first like when they first counted three on Kazarian, I was like, well, that kind of sucks, you know, to kill this. But then the more I thought about it, it's like, you know what? This was a fun little kind of C plot on this show for however many months. And it's just kind of, yes, it's ending uh, ignominiously. Is that the right way to say that word?
2: Oh, uh, maybe.
1: But maybe that's like what it deserves. You know? <laughs> I I think
2: they could have gotten... I mean, I I don't know that it's over. I think it probably, most things don't end with a nice little bow on them in this promotion. They kind of continue on. You're like, oh, I guess this is still happening. So I think it still continues. And I think you can get more out of it. Um, But yeah, I was surprised that he lost. But then he's like, I don't really care if he wins. It's kind of funnier that he lost.
1: (laughs) It's uh, definitely funny. Uh, We're getting corrected in the chat that it, that was the year Batista won in Pittsburgh. The Rock Roman Reigns one was the next year in Philly. Uh, but I forgot this that the oh Pit-
2: Philly okay yeah
1: I forgot this that the Pittsburgh Royal Rumble where that did happen was also Punk's last match. So
2: oh right okay yeah so that him- one and that led to WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans, which was the Brian WrestleMania.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, okay. that that could all work out. All right, Team Taz is backstage. Stark says there's going to be a big celebration next week in Charlotte. We cut right to Brian Cage with Dasha, and he says, well, that works out. I love celebrations.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Brian Cage was a great candidate to have a manager for, uh, and now he doesn't have a manager anymore because they <laughs> have to do a stable breaking apart storyline.
3: Uh, Hobbs, Hobbs overall with FTW on it were really sick. Very but, cool. But, yeah, I know Cage. Uh, let's see how quickly maybe Vicky can get him. You know, do you just need someone?
1: I like how Brian Cage is the only fucking guy in the promotion who doesn't have a manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the, the only guy person. who can't say two you know, string a fucking sentence together.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, we, I was so high. I'm like, oh, this is so perfect. Brian Cage is such a great talent for a television promotion. You give him a cool manager like Taz. Uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since we saw a really you know, kick-ass, fiery Taz promo like we were getting last year. Uh, But no, you know, they have to do these stories uh, where the stables are constantly uh, shifting. So, no, he he has to talk for himself now.
1: Uh, Darby Allen versus Wheeler Yuta was up next. Uh, Hikaleo was in the crowd for some reason. Well, we would find out that reason later. Uh, This also included Orange Cassidy and Sting doing the Orange Cassidy bit of kicking each other in the shins. Uh, Very funny. Darby ultimately won with the coffin drop after the match Blade attacked Orange Cassidy.
2: Yeah, the sting bit here killed. Um th- I mean this is why Sting's a babyface superstar uh and why you know other guys can't get to that level ever in the business. Uh cuz yeah, they do they do the Orange Cassidy bit and Sting just fully gamely plays along he does little kicks back to back to orange Cassidy. they both go back with a super kick and then just kind of tap feet <laughs> and then the peak the highlight the payoff the punchline. sting goes to do his chest beating and just kind of does it uh with the orange Cassidy energy where he's like yep beating my chest uh it killed me
3: sting was always cool sting was always cool Sting's got to be
1: sitting there thinking like, fuck, if I would have thought of this 20 years ago, I would have really saved my body.
2: Yeah, Sting is getting cooler even, Sting.
1: Yes. I always, you know, I mean, this isn't an original thought, but I always say like the least you can work for the most money is obviously like the, the best plan in normal life. And that's obviously makes even more sense in wrestling. Like the least you can do to be the most over is the winner. Uh, we got a video recapping the Lance Archer and Jon Moxley feud leading up to the main event uh, on the show tonight. And then the women's title match with Britt Baker defeating Nyla Rose with the Lockjaw, which we discussed. And then the FTR and Santana and Ortiz segment. Then we had uh, my runner-up for delete. We had Andrade El Idolo out with Tony Schiavone. He says he had a, has a surprise for everyone. And folks, it's Chavo Guerrero. Chavo makes his way out. He's glad that people remember him. And he says there are a lot of talented people backstage, but none are as talented as Andrade. The Death Triangle comes out. They're mad that Andrade has been mentioning them. They don't hide. Pack is back. Pack returns with Death Triangle. I don't want to bury that. Uh the crowd wants to do a uh Cerro Biedo chant, but Andrade just wants to barrel through that and talk anyway. (laughs) That goes poorly. Also, I think it was in Spanish, and so Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was saying. Of course, a lot of the crowd, I'm sure, in uh, Dallas, Texas did. Andrade asked why they work for Pac. He says, now you work for Andrade. Pac says uh, they don't work for him. They're a brotherhood. Penta says, and Alex uh, lets us know that Penta says, why would they want to join up with Andrade when he's not even on their level. Uh, I just thought this was a real shit show of a of a segment. The Andrade political hit continues.
2: I um, Death Triangle got an awesome reception when they came out, and for they sure. looked like superstars, except for Alex fucking Abrahanes, who sucks and and brings the entire act down. It looks like a goofball. Um, so that was good. Uh, you know, anything is an upgrade over Vicky Guerrero, so I cannot say. You know, I wouldn't delete this just because at worst Chavo's better than Vicky. Uh it seemed like a lot of people had opinions on Chavo Guerrero and like him as a person and as a uh, uh, uh a speaker and as a promo guy and as a potential manager. Uh and I just don't know where <laughs> what these opinions are based on. Uh I think, you know, if if uh, accepting uh Cub's fan who's, you know, covers lucha as a compulsion uh and possibly an illness everybody else who's uh ingested a whole lot of chavo guerrero content at this point that's an indictment of you not him i don't know <laughs> where that comes from <laughs> that you're like oh i have this long and uh checkered past with chavo guerrero so i don't want to see him uh that makes you crazy to me as far as i'm concerned uh but yeah it's better than vicky he looked good in his suit uh you know the, he got a good reaction all these are positives. Uh, I will say he, his promo seemed to be like mostly babyface, which doesn't fit with Andrade. He even like, he, he had a line that was like, you know, pretty fine where he like kind of teased Pac for only speaking what English and the crowd was like, Oh, and then John was like, no, 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 that's not a, that's not a dig. I didn't mean to take a dig at you, man. (laughs) It's like, aren't you managing a heel? You could just take the shot. Uh, So that was all strange. Um, But yeah, again, this is this is at worst an upgrade, so I can't really complain about it.
3: It's just at, like, a certain point, like, they keep on, like, doing stuff and I don't know, uh, uh, like, I'm just trying to, like, piece this together in my head with, like, Andrade and, yeah, no, Chavo's an upgrade. Like, like, that's undeniable. The most interesting part now of this act, including my favorite wrestler of the company, is what's the deal with the with the ipad guy like the ipad guy like just <laughs> doing his job i'm just going like out like i want to wrote to about andrade's manservant like that's the kind of thing that you can really turn this around there get on the get on the vlogs like that's what they need to be doing with this not like having alex abrahantes out there with pack with, with like pack could have just like cut been like been like stepped in there, ripped the microphone out of Alex Abrahantes, and, and just shouted out, "You're not at our level. We're a brotherhood," and everyone walked away looking like badasses.
2: I I can't believe Pack wants to be in the same room as Alex Abrahantes. Yes, let alone be in a fucking unit with him. That doesn't work for me at all. Um, I, I I I don't think. That- you know, do they sit together in catering? Does Pac sit near him in catering? I don't believe it. Did, um, does
3: Pac believe this guy exists? Like, does he acknowledge that the, the fact that Alex is yeah, in his, his I, presence?
2: I think he does because he's annoyed by him. Probably that's that would be my guess. Uh, the iPad guy does rule. I love just that. I hope I hope it never even amounts to anything or builds to anything. It's just part of the part of the set dressing, part of the world building that Andrade is important enough that he has a lint roller guy. Um, but yeah, you know, this is kind of I think a good course correction in theory, because it does pay a little respect to the terrible job they've done with Andrade so far, where it's like, yeah, no, there was actually a surprise. So we're not dropping that. That that was a thing. Uh and yeah, Andrade actually did want to be with Vicky because he respects the Guerrero name so much. So you can get him away from Vicky but still keep that story element true and retcon it by having it be Chavo instead. These are these are fine sort of course correction attempts. So uh you know count me count me not among the people who are like freaking out about this.
1: I don't think Chavo is going to be around next week. I don't think Chavo is coming to manage him. I didn't get that at all.
2: Oh, I thought that was what
1: I thought what they was just brought I... I... this was Chavo doing a promo out in Dallas. I just thought they brought Chavo out for the Texas crowd and he said, "Executive consultant." It wasn't like I don't know. I Just I just didn't really get the feeling that he's always going to be around. I mean, Andrade then went ahead and cut a promo after he introduced Chavo.
2: Executive consultant kind of reads to me as like a like a oh I'm I'm the advocate. Like this is my manager title. Is you're my executive consultant, and I have to have a fancy title for it to pretend it's not wrestling or whatever. Um, but yeah, no. If this is just a one off pop for Chavo, then. And he goes back to Vicky. I'll be <laughs> just as annoyed oh,
1: next week. I think Vicky's gone. I mean, I think they've they've gotten rid of that. Uh, I don't know. It's just my real problem with the segment. Whether uh, Chavo stays or goes, I always, as a kid, I fucking love Chavo. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, so I always have a soft spot in my heart for Chavo. Whatever else happens, but my problem with the segment was Andrade doesn't come out of this looking good. He doesn't look cool. He's trying to barrel through this promo over the crowd, and it's like, dude you're a big fucking star stop these people make them pay attention to you that's your or, job
2: or actually barrel over them instead of yes <laughs> being like yeah i'm gonna keep talking but i'm not gonna do it with the conviction necessary to
1: make you hear me yeah he uh i don't know i'll get canceled maybe for this but he seemed like a pussy that's just what it felt like. It was just like, fucking say what you want to say, Andrade. You have probably a huge dick. You are super hot. You've got your fucking chest out. You're posting pics all the time of you banging Charlotte. Uh, just fucking pull your dick out and like show the crowd who's in control here. And it's you, man. It's got to be you.
2: Yeah, I am canceling you for that for sure. <laughs>
1: Mike, i can see mike cringing literally mike Mike did a full furrowed (laughs) brow like
2: (laughs) like holding the the you know point of the tip of his nose or the the base of his nose
1: sorry i'm just fired up about this because andrade is supposed to be cool and they're not doing anything to like hide his deficiencies they are letting him just like put a fucking spotlight on the stuff he's not as good at i hate it
3: yeah all right
1: yeah Earlier tonight, the Hardy family office came out to explain why Matt Hardy wasn't there, and there was a brawl, and Christian made the save. And then Christian was backstage, and he says, it took four of you to take out Marco's stunt. I thought last week was the end between Matt Hardy and me, but it wasn't. Next week, Christian and Jurassic Express versus Angelico and Private Party.
3: I mean, we're going to get a really good Angelico and Private Party dance out to the ring. Like, the entrance is going to be very, very good here.
2: I went so far as to watch a clipped video of their entrance on Twitter. I was like, "Yeah, I do want to watch Ann Helico and Private Party enter again." I that's a fun trio,
3: and I guess it's going to be something that is going to be on Fight for the Fallen. So you know, everyone could I, like my favorite thing about like Ann Helico now, and the, the most positive thing I've had about Ann Helico in this promotion is now we get the great crowd shots that Keith Mitchell must have. Of just the dorkiest people trying to do, it. and whereas Nate is nailing it dead on, dead to rights. <laughs> the, the, if Keith Mitchell had you in the crowd each week, Nate, like, you, 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 the, the, There would be like the uh, there would be the cam. It's like all right, <laughs> and Helco's coming out. Got to get to the epidicus scam. But the fact that I do, like I have the, the benefit that you dude, can
2: really, you can really only see from my shoulders up. So I really only have to do you
1: know like twenty percent <laughs> of it. But it's the most important twenty percent. For sure, it is. Uh, Then we had QT, Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Camarado with Alex Marvez. Marvez asked if he thinks he owes Tony an apology, and QT says yes, he'll give it to him next week. Then it was Orange Cassidy versus the Blade Orange one with the Orange Punch, and after the match, he gave him another Orange Punch with Blade's brass knuckles.
2: Took a big bump on this match on the turnbuckle. That was gnarly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this was a fun little, like death spot match like that that's a statement on a what they really believe in Orange Cassie is giving him kind of like that pre main event match, and, you know this was a lot of fun you know I mean it let the blade like doing like doctor bombs in the middle of this match like I had a good time with this one
1: we had Chris Jericho with Alex Marvez and he said if MJF is going to bring in the most demented and violent man in wrestling to face me I'm going to bring the most demented and violent version of me to face nick gage that's why next week it's nick gage versus the Painmaker. i knew it was fucking coming and i still (laughs) lost my mind when he turned around
2: how how could you not know it was coming when the giant spiked jacket is right in the camera (laughs) from the first shot i i I, want to believe (laughs) i want to believe that chris jack was like not did not want to do a match with nick gage he's like oh this guy you know, some mud show freak death match guy who never amounted to shit. You know, he, (laughs) he can't wrestle. He can't work. You know, he, he stinks or whatever. And he, he didn't want to do it. But then Tony came to him and was like, Chris, what if you do it as the pain maker? And then Chris was like, Ooh, now we're talking. I can bust out the Painmaker <laughs> character. It makes sense because he's all hardcore and scary and he wears eye makeup. Uh, and that's what got Chris. That's, that's my personal headcanon is Chris didn't want to do it. But when he got a chance to do the Painmaker character again, he's like, yes, now it's on.
3: This was just the the fact that Chris Jericho said the Painmaker and then put his fedora on afterwards. <laughs> just... <laughs> Classic, like the crowd popped for it. (laughs) Yeah, the crowd just like they popped even more for the fedora, like they knew that it was the paymaker. Is like, oh, but he has got to have his hat on, and yeah, no, like he definitely agreed this match because he's allowed to put on the makeup and the fedora. Absolutely,
1: my only thing is, I feel like this should, I mean, they've really got to up the stakes if this is the second match in this series for Jericho. So,
3: (laughs) well, the
2: last one has to be Wardlow, right? Wardlow has to be the last labor.
3: Yeah, Uh, Wardlow had probably the most brutal form of his knee against one of Dustin's students on dark this week. Like the student took it right on their temple. Like he's been murdering people. It's fantastic.
1: I just I just don't want Wardlow to take another loss, though. I really I don't like that ever. Wardlow should never lose. I agree. He should have never lost his entire career. Mm hmm. Okay, we got a video <laughs> recapping Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes with the fucking funniest graphic uh I mean the second funniest after the Painmaker versus Nick Gage, uh, <laughs> but the Malachi Black Cody graphic is amazing. I urge you to seek it out if you haven't seen it
2: i'm uh i'm I'm fifteen percent more positive on Malachi Black this week because he spent all day putting over Miu Yamashita on Twitter today.
1: Yes, he did. that was good. He said Miu's uh, spin kick is better than his, uh, and he's right.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, he doesn't have uh, world-class talents like Suzume or Hikari Noah bumping for him, so you got <laughs> to take that into account. But
1: Yeah, he was with the developmental talent in NXT before, so.
2: That's uh, that's canon now, by the way. It's been reported yes. that they now have, have readjusted NXT to being developmental.
1: Amazing. Uh, and then the main event for the IWGP US title, Lance Archer defeated John Moxley with a 10 count after uh, Moxley went through the table with barbed wire on it after the match, Hikuleo comes out and faces off with Archer. So they'll face each other next week.
2: Should also point that was, you know, they did a cute reference where they talked about, Oh, you know, Moxley put Archer through double tables. So they did a, you know, they did the same finish in reverse here, which is Moxley did that to me in Tokyo. Now you're in my hometown. I'm going to do it to you now. Uh, So, you know, just some nice little interpromotional synchronicity.
1: Yes. Uh, All right, the Hikuleo thing is interesting to me because this title has to get back to people who work primarily in New Japan at some point, right? Do we think they're just going to pass it back to Hikuleo here?
2: No, I think probably New Japan is happy to use Lance Archer if AEW will let him in the the West. Because, you know, they they liked Lance Archer before, liked him a lot before. Um, So I think they're probably just open to using Lance Archer. I can't imagine they're going to have Hikuleo beat him right away. But then again, I was wrong about the match this week. So that, this just feels to me like, oh, you know, it's a little interstitial title defense. We're making fans more familiar with the belt. So maybe now they'll check out Resurgence. Uh, and, you know, we'll get some exposure and eyes on Hikuleu, who's basically, you know, not done anything in any promotion to this point. And New Japan's probably ready to start getting some of their investment back on him.
1: All right, well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support it is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Plenty of good stuff. We, of course, did the Limp Biscuit episode this week with Nate and I talking about our trip to Hammond, Indiana to watch Limp Bizkit. Uh Nate Thoros asked earlier, was there anybody on this show that was as good of a promo as either the mayor of Hammond, Indiana or Fred Durst?
2: On this show, no there was not
1: all right i think yeah i mean i think you're right there maybe people in this promotion who are as good of promos yes but not on this night uh and we also of course do our light show where we preview dynamite every wednesday morning and nate breaks us breaks down all the uh relevant vlog content next week mike i know for once we have some content in the can you and drew are going to be talking about just some... Uh, I, well, I think there's going to be some DFW content on there, isn't there?
3: Uh, sadly, we did not go oh, in this. Oh, no. We did <laughs> not go to PCW. We did not see the International Players Club live. But what it is, is Drew and I kind of had a realization that we were at some pretty remarkable for good or for bad reason shows throughout our life. And we sat down and we just kind of talked about it. It just was... One of those things where like, we were recounting what exactly all happened at the nexus raw that everyone completely forgets because it was the nexus raw like it was during the celeb it was one of the first three-hour rolls and it was during the celebrity gm era and the celebrity gm was the a-team the 2011 version of the or 2010 for one film the a-team in miami so it, it, it's a whole lot of fun i'm excited for everyone to check it out on monday
1: all right. Of course, we have the Discord, as I mentioned earlier. So uh check that out. Lots of good content always over at patreon.com slash everything elite. And we do this show live every Wednesday night. So you can check that out if you subscribe at the $8 tier. Next week, uh Fight for the Fallen from Charlotte. Tony Khan will announce a major new live event. Uh There was some talk about this in the Discord. Maybe one of these like quarterly specials that they've teased for next year
3: that's what i'm that well i mean there's supposed to be one this year right
2: i I think maybe even this year oh okay
3: yeah i I, it could be something that's going to be bridging all out to full gear this year that whole thing was so
1: confusing to me of like yeah rampage and these quarterly specials and like moving to tbs and
3: everything but the specials moving to tbs yeah yeah so right I, i mean that's my assumption there unless they're announcing a uk tour like that's like the two things or, or their West coast. Cause they've not, they've not yet done California. So that's something as well. So I'm absolutely yeah,
2: kind of insane, right?
3: Yeah. No, like, like that's yeah. the nice thing with, with like by the time, no, it'll be like a few days afterwards because next weekend is, uh, the first PWG show back, right? Like mystery vortex is coming up and the idea that there might be people in AEW who have wrestled for PWG before they've, brought AEW to Southern California. It's kind of wild.
2: Yeah, I know they, you know, have based a lot of the cities and run this stuff off their internal metrics for, you know, viewership and buys and stuff. It's um, they, just wild that apparently that hasn't, you know, the viewership or buys on the West Coast in Los Angeles, the second most populous city, hasn't rated high enough for them to run a significant show or any show out there. That's weird. But um, I,
1: I guess there would have to be some reason for it. I just don't know what it would be. Well, the good thing for them is we're also seeing in most of these cities, other than Miami, they're also selling more tickets than they did the last time they were in these cities. So they're yeah. not in it, I mean, we're still very early in this, of course, but they're not in any danger of overrunning cities.
3: Yeah. And it's worth noting again, for that Miami number, they changed buildings. So capacity differences, ah. even with everything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that's a great sign. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a great sign of, viewership growth on television necessarily. I mean, you know, we, we always knew that their plus DVR viewership was getting them, uh, you know, bigger bigger viewership than their uh, initial sort of overnights or whatever. Um, but that they're getting people to come back to shows and getting them to bring new people or new people are deciding to buy tickets is a, a great indicator of growth and, and people's, I think, happiness with the promotion overall. Um, and I think a lot of that is probably... For the live show, you know, they, they send people home happy a lot of the time. Uh, you know, you get a, a hometown win with this Lance Archer thing, for example, where it's like you're not ending nine out of ten weeks with heat where the heels win and you
1: go home and, uh, you know, you have to wait five more weeks to see it on TV. We'll also have next week Christian and Jurassic Express versus Helico and Private Party. Uh, the elimination tag match, the Elite versus the Dark Order. And as I recall, that also includes whether uh, there's going to be a tag title challenger from Dark Order for the Bucks and Hangman Page's match against Kenny Omega. It's all all comes down to the winners of that. I assume that will go on last on Dynamite next week. Uh, Nick Gage versus the Painmaker (laughs) in a no DQ match. (laughs) No rules, And the IWGP US titles on the line of Lance Archer against Hiku Leo. Just an insane show. Just, yeah it's it's it just like I mean I know, and you kind of like you let it you know run over you or whatever yeah. the right word I'm looking for, but you let it register you let but it register. Nick gage versus the painmaker on Dynamite is insane
2: so it like it it's like baseline saying that we're like they actually put they're putting Nick gage on t v they're letting Nick gage wrestle a match on national cable television that's insane that he's doing it against. Chris, Chris Jericho, Chris like, like Chris Jericho, like Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, Chris Jericho's. I don't know, among the top, certainly among the top twenty, like most decorated American wrestlers. Probably oh, among, the, probably among the top ten most decorated American wrestlers. I'm, uh, I guess I mean Western wrestlers. He's Canadian. No, he's born in America,
3: right? Manhattan? Yeah, no, he, he's, No, he's, he's, he's was, born. He was yeah, born in Manhasset, and then Manhasset. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, that's that's a whole not- nother layer of insanity that we have not really reckoned with yet.
3: Yeah. L- l- like, let's l- l- like take this another way. Uh, we remember when the Nick Gage as a Casino Battle Royal participant uh, was kind of like bandied about. Where was Chris Jericho on the list of oh Nick Gage is coming into this company? Who would be the great matchup of Chris Jericho? Would not even be on your first page if you're doing a single list. Wouldn't
2: have entered my mind whatsoever. Would not have been a consideration. Just wild.
3: Yeah, it rules.
1: Uh, I'm very excited about it. It's gonna seem insane. As it's about to happen, when it's happening, uh, just I can't wait. I just hope it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I really hope it's it. good.
2: I really I, that's I, that's one where you're really rooting for the guys to go out and really do something.
3: Yeah, yes. it, it, it's something that I I really want to go. I'm. It's a fifty. If it wasn't for other stuff going on and other promotions and stuff going on, I'd be like, all right, I have to go see Nick Gage and AEW. And now I'm like. This is going to be a fight for me over the next week. Yeah, I would love to go.
1: Sounds awesome. Uh, and that
3: Malachi Black
1: versus Cody match they announced for August third, the homecoming show, in Jacksonville. Okay, well, I think that's uh, everything for this week. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything aew. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review, and support the show by going to patreon.com/slash everything elite or manscaped.com where you can get a 20% off, uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using the promo code this is. Uh, but that's it for Bike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.